And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Rise, go through the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call upon your name. The Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed, entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me, so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priest? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. We pray that it would among us tonight. Uh, there are a lot of things in the book of Acts that are unexpected. Uh, that happen in ways that we don't uh, think they would, they would go. I mean, when, you, when a book starts after Jesus' resurrection from the dead, you might wonder what would come next. Um, but, but we might think that something like Jesus' leaving would mean the church would go downhill. Uh, instead, Jesus says it's better for us, and the church grows, and then things start to really happen from the point of time of him sending his spirit. Uh, we might think in those early chapters, uh, some of the apostles are arrested uh, and imprisoned and threatened and, and accused. We might think that the key leaders being arrested like that would, would squelch the fire that was, that was growing in the early church, that they would be uh, worried or afraid or draw back more, that it would scare others away from it. Uh, but instead, the church becomes more bold, uh, more confident, and more and more added uh, to the church. Uh, looking at Ananias and, and Sapphira, you might, we might tend to expect that if some big donors uh, to the church end up dropping dead uh, because of some you know, small falsifying of amounts that they were giving and selfish motives along with it, and they just drop dead, uh, we might think that would be kind of detrimental to, to recruitment, uh, to financial matters uh, in the church. But instead, uh, Jesus draws the line against hypocrisy and the church in the verses after that grows and multiplies more than ever. Certainly, if I was there, I think if we were there and saw or knew Stephen um, and saw what happened to him, 
and saw a man righteous and, and knowing the scriptures and proclaiming Jesus and then the crowds ra rallied against him, carrying him out of the city, uh, stoning him to death, and there's not a Stephen anymore. Um, and, and Saul persecuting the church and having authority to drag men and women uh, in and imprison them, we would think, I don't know how this is ever going to go. Uh, I don't know how this can go forward. And yet instead, that, that very uh, Stephen's martyrdom and that, that harsher persecution of the church leads them, yes, it does, they scatter out from Jerusalem, but they carry the gospel with them. And the gospel goes forward from Jerusalem to Samaria and toward all the ends of the earth. In fact, in the chapter just before this, it talks of uh, Philip uh, and him going into Samaria and then receiving the gospel there. And it talks of him uh, meeting a, an Ethiopian a eunuch and him uh, receiving the gospel and being baptized as well. So as Jesus said, had called for the mission of the gospel to go forward from Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to all the ends of the earth, the very things that are getting in the way of it, that we would expect would be squelching it or, 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 or hurting it, uh, still propel it forward. It doesn't hinder, uh, and it sends it sends it out more. And if if you're in Acts or you're reading through Acts, what you start to see is that there's a there's a there's a pattern developing uh, with these things. Uh, that it acts is actually training us for a new set of expectations now that Jesus is not only raised but reigning. Things that we would say should be very uh, we would. I think we're unexpected in terms of human terms become typical become repeated become the patterns over and over in the church that everything that, that seems to get in the way uh, that we would expect would be detrimental actually serves to propel it uh, forward it's still astounding uh, but it's unexpected all right, expectations have a big impact on us. The way we come into a situation, what we're, what we're thinking is going to come out of it is going to impact a lot what we do. It's going to impact a lot how we, how we feel about it, right? Expectations affect our actions. They affect our, our emotions, all different sides of things. Um, disappointment, I've heard described as, a, uh, as an expectation experience gap, Right? So you come in with a certain set of expectations, but then when you experience something that's not what you thought you were going to experience, this gap here uh, when it's on, on the negative side, we call that disappointment. Uh, for some of us, we call it frustration. Others of us call it anger, and you get mad about it, right? Um, if you had gone to a fall conference uh, this past weekend thinking that you would come upon a resort uh, accommodations... <laughs> You would, have you would have had an expectation experience gap when you heard the word bathhouses <laughs> mentioned, right? Um, if you were, you know, I'm excited about the Knowles this year, but I was kind of keeping track of the score on, on Friday night. If, you're ex if, if you, like me, were expecting more of a blowout, there's a little bit of disappointment there when there's like just two scores and this whole period in the middle of the game where there wasn't any scores and the last one was a defensive, uh, defensive goal. Uh, right, the, the, how we come into expecting things uh, really, really makes a difference. Maybe it's things that, that matters you, matter to you more. Maybe it's grades and classes, how you thought you did on a test, uh, when it comes back. Um, maybe it's the person that you're interested in. And you find out that they're interested in someone else or dating someone else. Or the person that you're dating, and then you are expecting that things are going to go well and go forward. And there's a breakup, and it, and it hurts, uh, and it hits, um, and it touches us deeply. It just has things to do with the, the job that you want, 
um, looking for, maybe that you're applying for after graduation, what you're hoping that your life will look, look for. Uh, expectations impact us uh, deeply. What we do, what we try to do, what we stop trying to do, what we care about, what we hope for, what's frustrating, what's disappointment. But when it comes to the progress of the gospel, part of what Acts is showing us is that it, that it flips that expectation experience gap and that it, that it expands it. When it comes to the progress of the gospel, the, the unexpected beyond our expectations is what Jesus is always doing. Right? I'm saying it flips that expectation experience gap that what we, instead of being disappointed, what ends up happening is, is beyond our imagination, beyond what we thought could happen. Right? When people, when, when big donors in the church drop dead and the church grows and expands, when persecution hits and then it, it ends up spreading the gospel further, it's unexpected. It kind of flips that expectation experience uh, gap. Don't want to just make it sound though that like, hey, in Jesus, everything is great. Everything is encouraging. What you thought wouldn't happen, even better things happen. Yeah, there's, there's a deep, deep truth there. And yet, it also kind of expands that expectation experience gap. Uh, when, our, when, when the victory and hope of salvation come out of Christ's death and crucifixion, uh, we start to see that. Right? Uh, that, it, that it's especially in painful and difficult and hard circumstances that we especially see God work out uh, something even more uh, than we would have hoped for in the progress of the gospel. We certainly see that in this passage with Paul's conversion. Uh, this is one that's repeated several times uh, in Scripture, repeated several times uh, in Acts. As it recounts uh, Paul's story, something has uh, profound influences in all ages in the church since that people look at this and talk about this as the, the conversion experience, right? The Damascus Road experience. We kind of use that just to speak of a, a, a going one way and then an immediate uh, turn to, to something else. Where the gospel can tr grab hold of someone's life uh, and change them. But when you look at the first two verses of this chapter, like maybe you're already familiar with Paul uh, and this story from Scripture. But when you look at what's, what's happened before, the stoning of Stephen, the persecution of the church, and you read the first couple of verses here, what are you expecting? The very guy that had Stephen martyred, uh, and, and people are scared and running away from Jerusalem. Right? So he's like, wait. I'm not going to let that stop me from going, going after these people. So he's going to Damascus. He's got authority to come to Damascus and arrest people there. Take him back to Jerusalem to be tried. Right? He's, he's coming out. I love the way it says this. Um, Paul still breathing threats and murder. <laughs> I don't know about you, I, I picture this like a, uh, like a movie version of this, like the low camera angle. You know, Paul forward in this deep hood and like you just hear his mouth it's almost like curse word just coming out <laughs> right? like, like he's coming after them with a passion with an anger that he's going to take this thing uh, down kind of more like the horror story version right um, and, but I think that if you were Christians in Damascus that's what you'd be that's what you were thinking that's what you're watching out for this this is scary that this dude uh, is on his way maybe just reading it if you start reading that you're like mm. I think I'm going to skip chapter 9. <laughs> Maybe it'll get better in chapter 10, right? This, is, this one looks like it's going to be bad. I'd be thinking uh, it's time to get out of Dodge, right? Get out of Damascus um, and keep going. Uh, but what God works out of it was not at all what they were expecting. Um, not at all what any of us would have expected just watching the plot lines come together. 
And yet with Christ reigning, Acts has trained us with a new set of expectations to see what God can do, how the gospel progresses. We're going to look at three different outsides of this. You have on the sheet, uh, identifying with our pain, performing the impossible, involving us in this plan. Three sides of this. But this is the question I want you to be considering as we look at this text. I want you to just think about some of your expectations. I want to think you to consider your expectations for what Jesus is doing. What are your expectations for what Jesus is doing around you? On the campus? In your class, with your friends, uh, maybe with family, with neighbors that you know or don't know, uh, with countries around the world. What, what is your expectation of what Jesus uh, is doing or what he's doing in America? And when it comes more personally, the good things that are happening in your life and the hard things that you're not sure what to do with, uh, what are your expectations for how Jesus is working in you? what he's working out and what you're going through. So th- see three sides of in this passage uh, that, are, that are maybe unexpected. Uh, the first is identifying with our pain. The uh, first section of this is it describes uh, uh, Jesus speaking uh, to, Pete, to Paul here. What we see is this beautiful thing of Jesus identifying with our pain, with the pain of his people, with the pain of his church. And so that's even when we don't feel like he cares, he identifies with our pain. I think that, I think that is how we feel sometimes, certainly how I feel sometimes, is that Jesus doesn't care. When you're in the middle of just turmoil of life and upheaval, uh, when you don't know if you're going to get your class at the beginning of the semester, when you can't figure out who you're going to live with or how that's going to go, when you're not sure when the financial checks are going to come in for the, uh, for the next things that you need uh, to be paid, uh, we're worried about it. We're like, does Jesus even care about what I'm going through? Families are falling apart and divorce when, or when just a relationship doesn't work out or you go through a breakup. Maybe it's just like you get sick, like it's exam time. Like, no, I can't even think. I got to get, um, you know, where, where do we go with that? A car breaks down on you. Now, so often what we feel is like Jesus, Jesus doesn't really care. He's not really active and involved in this. He's just letting us walk through this mess and we're stuck in it. Uh, maybe sometimes we don't even bother to think about whether or not Jesus cares. We just feel like it's up to us to make what we can uh, out of it. Maybe there's, maybe there's times that you're not really sure if you believe in Jesus. Uh, going through hard things and hard worries and still feels like Jesus uh, doesn't care. Like he won't do anything uh, about it. Obstacles continue to fall on the pathway of our plans. Getting, uh, getting uh, So we have that expectation experience a gap. And we don't see Jesus intervene. It's hard. We struggle. But look at what happens here. Uh, Paul's on the way to Damascus. He is on the way to Damascus to take the Christian church out. uh, To to put down and put out uh, the, the way of following Jesus. And he's there on the way, and this light shines down from heaven. It says other places in the noonday, brighter than the sun. Uh, the glory of God, the glory of Jesus uh, ascended and, and reigning with Christ, uh, shining down with him, and he falls down. And he hears a voice calling him by name, Saul, Saul. And this is what I want you to pay attention to. He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting say, like the church? Why are you trying to get rid of the way? 
Why are you going after these different believers? He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Paul, already kind of floored and mind blown, is, realizes somewhat of what's going on, but not very clearly. And he's like, uh, who are you, Lord? Right? He has some sense of, of um, oh, that God is speaking to him as Lord is speaking to him. Uh, and yet he's saying, who, who are you? How am I persecuting you? I wasn't trying to go after some voice in the sky with glory. He answers, I am Jesus. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. You see that Jesus identifies with, uh, with our pain. Jesus identifies with the pain of his people. Yes, he's ascended. He's left. He's uh, sitting at the right hand of God, reigning from the throne over the universe until everything has been placed under his feet. Uh, as, a, as a footstool for him to prop his feet up on. And when his people are hurting, Jesus is hurting. Uh, even when we don't feel like he cares. It certainly would have been the mindset to a degree of the people in Damascus. How's this going to go? What do we do? Here comes Paul. Here's Jesus. Uh, Alice today had to get uh, a couple teeth uh, pulled. We've got weird mouths and teeth in our family. We'll have braces for all of our kids. This is kind of pre some of that. She had to have a couple a couple teeth uh, pulled. She did great. She is awesome. Um, she was super brave and she's like just been around the house like getting stuff done and she'll probably be in school tomorrow. I don't know. But I've been worried for her. Like I've been worried for her since I knew that we were going to do it. I've been worried leading up to this day and I'm like I'm always busier on Thursday, Thursday and I'm like here's Alice and I just want to watch out for her and even when she comes home and I'm watching her and she's doing great, I'm like, mm, but, it's, but the, the teeth are gone and it hurts, right? Um, just in a sense of being her father and caring for her, I identify with her pain. But here, even more so than just a father caring for his children, uh, Jesus identifies as, as his pain. Right? The image that the scripture uses is the, the church is the body of Christ. Right? So, so not just, oh, someone else and I kind of empathize with it, but like if you scrape your knee uh, or if you stub your toe, you're not like, my poor toe, it really, it's hurting, but the rest of me is fine. Right? You're like, I hurt. Uh, you, you scream. Uh, you're worried about it and you're limping afterwards or going on and getting bandages or, or whatever, right? That's how Jesus experiences the pain that you're going through. He says, he says to Paul, while he's raised and ascended in heaven, why are you persecuting me? As my people hurt, as they're scared, as they're worried, as they're not sure what's coming next, as Stephen is being stoned to death, Jesus is feeling it, Jesus is hurting. Uh, <clears throat> context here is persecution, uh, and believers are always experiencing persecution. That comes, uh, you know, maybe in one way uh, in the Middle East right now, in a different way in America. Uh, and still, whether that's just whether it's just that it's weird for you to say that you would believe the Bible uh, or to talk about Jesus among contexts that would look at you and be like, well, if you believe in Jesus, then you're probably a stupid, uh, b judgmental, uh, also uh, a, you know arrogant, and 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 all these different things, right? That, that you're just kind of the bigot if this is your, your view, and that's that's hard. Uh, your own resistance to it. Uh, challenges you have from professors, uh, intimidation that you would have to be open or bold about your faith in Jesus. Uh, yes, in those things, in the small, in the, in the fear of that and the worry of that, as well as in places in the world where people are being martyred for their faith, 
uh, Jesus identifies with and feels your pain. And not just in that persecution, uh, but in the whole of experiencing uh, the consequences of a world riddled by sin. Uh, riddled by our sin, humanity's sin. Jesus came for the very purpose. Like this isn't just, uh, oh, hear about Paul. Jesus identifies with pain. That's part of the core of the gospel. Uh, what Christ did in coming to earth as a man, as the God-man, and suffering and dying for us to identify with our pain, uh, suffering in every way, even as we are, and yet without sin. And he was crucified, uh, nailed to the cross, and rejected experiencing what we deserve. Experiencing our pain deeper than we experience it. Jesus understands how you're hurting. He knows the things that throw you off in confusion, that send you down uh, in worry, uh, and, and, and everything in between. He identifies with that, and he cares. And, and how might it change our actions and change the way uh, our emotions and the way we feel to realize that Jesus identifies with your pain? He doesn't promise that nothing bad will happen, uh, or that there be no suffering, Stephen really is dead. Uh, Christians really are in jail. Others are running and scared. And yet Jesus is with us in the pain. And not only that, but he is doing something better out of it than we would expect. So we come to the second thing. Not just that Jesus uh, identifies with our pain in, in ways beyond what we would uh, expect or hope with, but secondly, that he performs the impossible. Um, and that he performs the impossible... <laughs> In unexpected ways. That is, especially when we don't believe that he can. Because really, I mean, you read the Bible and you know God can do anything, but there's still certain things that it's difficult to imagine that Jesus can, can do. Uh, he always has those passages like talking about prayer and Jesus' ability to do things, like moving mountains. You're like, okay. But like when I try to imagine the mountain just getting moved somewhere else, like, ah, I mean, Jesus could do it. But, it, but it's hard to just go like, Here, here's where it is. Um, or that he could actually take someone who's been blind and make them see. Uh, he, he, he did that. He does that. And yet, um, and yet that's hard for us to believe or for the lame to walk. Uh, it's hard to believe that Jesus could just give you a billion dollars. Some of you like to like, think about that. Like, see. Um, maybe it's even harder to believe that it, would be, that it would be better for you for Jesus not to give you a billion dollars. Um, it's difficult to believe that Jesus has taken care of you uh, when we trust ourselves. It can be hard to imagine FSU as a place that's embracing the gospel, following Jesus. Maybe there's particular people that you feel like, like they would never change. Uh, they would, they would never, their hearts would never soften to scripture. They would never be interested in what you believe or, or why it matters to you. It's a helpful verse that Jesus says in Mark 10, 27, with man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. And Jesus performs uh, the impossible, especially when it's hard uh, to believe. Because what happened to Saul, what happened to Paul on the road uh, to Damascus was beyond anyone's expectations. Uh, and let me say as well, if this is helpful, like, it was completely beyond Paul's expectations. 
All right, so I don't know where you are and wondering how, how you fit with the gospel and where it connects with you and could there be any hope with you and what if people knew what was really going on in your life and what if people knew the sins that you were really engaged with and is the gospel enough for you and can there be hope for you? The furthest thing from Paul's mind is that he would love Jesus and, and start by the end of these verses uh, proclaiming and proving that Jesus was the Christ. Uh, and Jesus is able to do that because Jesus sets his love on him. The furthest thing from the people in Damascus or the believers who had heard about Paul, what they thought would, would happen. Um, it, it, in fact, it continues to be hard for the church to believe even for a little while after this. Uh, some other scripture uh, records for us when Paul later comes to Jerusalem and the apostles are like avoiding him. And they have to get Barnabas, who we've met a little bit earlier, to actually come and bring Paul to the rest of the apostles. They're like, hey, this guy's really okay. <laughs> no, I've, I've seen he's not the same guy he was before. Here's what's, what's happened. Because the passage begins with him breathing, such a great expression, breathing threats and murder. And it ends with him proclaiming uh, that Jesus is the Son of God. It ends with him uh, disputing uh, the, the, the Jews who are rejecting it and proving that Jesus was the Christ. Put it this way. The person that at this time was the single biggest threat to the Christian church, that, that seemed like it might be possible for him to crush it and squelch it and put it out, becomes through what God does here perhaps the biggest asset uh, to the church. To carry uh, the mission of Christ forward, right? Except for a few exceptions in, in the book of Acts from Acts 13 to the end. Uh, it is primarily focused around Paul's missionary journeys. Um, and if you start flipping through the rest of your Bible, you're like, Romans written by Paul, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians written by Paul, uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Well, you keep going. Like there's all, all these books, all these books, all these letters that the Spirit uh, uh, worked through uh, Paul to record uh, Scripture uh, for us and the things that he made. And Jesus can make the truth of his grace, of his glory, known to anyone. And he proved it here. He proved it in a way that should change uh, the expectation uh, for us. That what is unexpected is the very thing he's able to do. And if he can uh, convert Saul... Um, who can he not get a hold of? Um, who would be beyond hope or beyond grace? Um, not you. Not anybody that you know. Uh, Jesus is reigning and he's at work. Now listen, I'm, I'm not saying kind of a cheesy, just believe the impossible, Jesus will do it. Uh, certainly not uh, how uh, this passage or other scripture talks about it. You, you, you can go ahead and believe as hard as you want and just constantly think of nothing else and just believe that God's going to give you a billion dollars. I bet he won't. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not going to happen. Um, but our view of what's possible still needs to be shaped by what Jesus can do, what Jesus does do. Right? How often do we get disappointed and upset because we can't see what God would do because our expectations aren't being met and we uh, struggle to trust in what he would do. Um, looks incredibly unlikely that things will work out for us. Uh, or, or as we pray for God's glory, as we pray for Jesus' work, kind of now that we stop thinking about what Jesus, uh, things that Jesus can't do in our minds, we stop praying because we don't believe that he will work, don't believe that he will do anything, maybe in us. 
Maybe the particular thing that you just find yourself continuing to come back to, continuing to struggle with, you don't know how to get rid of it. Is anything ever going to happen? Uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's a particular person and people that you've reached out for, you've cared for. Is anything going to happen? Uh, but God is able to do far beyond uh, what we would expect. If he can take a persecutor, to put it this way, right, persecutor Paul, if he can take persecutor uh, Saul and make him missionary uh, Paul expanding the gospel, how might he surpass your expectations and surpass your worries? How might Jesus take care of you better than you think? Um, more so if the death of Jesus, the worst thing in the history of everything, is the very thing that accomplished and brought about the best and our, our best and only hope. And the fullness of, of hope and new creation. If that comes through death and the cross, if that's our victory, then we have hope that our pain, that our suffering, uh, should make us look for what God will bring, for the good that he's doing through it. Uh, but what if your classes aren't going well? What if you just got that exam back and it wasn't what you wanted and now you're going to have to work to, to reach that up? What if you're not sure what you'll do after graduation and what jobs might be coming? What if, it, what if there doesn't seem to be the right guy? There doesn't seem to be the right girl or the right desire for the person that you think you should be after. Uh, what, if, what if college is not all that you expected or, or hoped? Yet this passage is encouraging us to cultivate a faith that when Jesus works different from what we want, we would get excited about it. Not by sight, but by faith, but because Jesus is actually reigning. And he knows what he's doing, and he does it well, and the gospel always goes forward. And yes, it goes forward through pain and suffering. It flips, it flips that gap, and it expands it. Paul's persecution is part of what ended up in the gospel going to all nations, because Jesus works beyond our expectations, uh, even performing the impossible, as we would see it. Uh, uh, thirdly, lastly, uh, Jesus involves us in his plan. Right? Even when we're fearful of the consequences or what might happen, Jesus involves us in his plan. Um, the last thing that Ananias thought was going to happen uh, the day that Paul was coming to town was what ended up happening, right? Um, listen, the, the person who I relate to uh, most in this passage, I mean, Saul, Paul's amazing, right? You're like, oh, we look up to Paul, see the kind of example he is, all these things, that's great. Um, or beyond that shadow of doubt, like Jesus is the most amazing person in this passage. Like here's his glory uh, seen uh, in this moment or, or partially experienced. Uh, but who I connect with most, who I relate to most in this passage is, is Ananias. Um, here he is. This is the, um, uh, seems to be the only time that he's mentioned through the rest of scripture. Uh, it's just in, in connection with this account of Paul's uh, conversion. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I could relate to Paul, but, but here I can connect with Ananias. Listen, Jesus didn't have to use Ananias. He, he did the other part by himself. Uh, he could have just had Paul understand it from then. Right? He, Jesus is able to communicate the gospel uh, well enough to him. But Jesus involves us in, in his plan. When we start thinking about the gospel going forward, the, the call, the share Christ, the witnesses, who believers are in, in his name, how that, how that works out for others, um, we can very easily get, get afraid. Maybe we're not even afraid of someone killing us or particularly rejecting us, but not liking us as much. Or thinking that we're weird. Or discouraging us or, or looking at things, right? We, I mean, we live in a time where we just, 
we worry over fears of, of any different thing, right? We've got, we've got insurance to, to cover you against all kinds of different things that, that might happen, uh, right? So you've got uh, not just uh, life insurance and health insurance, but uh, home insurance, car insurance, renter's insurance, like whatever different things. If we think that something bad might happen, something plays on that fear, say, here, pay this and it'll, it'll be covered. You don't drive around in your car without, without the seatbelt across and know that there's an airbag in case something happens. When we walk into life with the call of the gospel, we're afraid what's going to happen if we speak of Jesus. We're afraid of what our th- friends will think if they know that we follow Jesus. So I remember a couple of conversations, uh, just in some of the times that I've been here, that stand out in my mind. Uh, people just knowing about Christianity and trying to figure out what they, how it mattered to them. Uh, I remember a guy, um, man, he, he understood a lot of things in Scripture. He could articulate the gospel pretty well. He also gone through a lot of really hard things, even, even in the church. Wasn't a, wasn't a Christian or acting like it, I would tell you that. But he was interested, and he was still chewing on these things. I remember talking with him, and, uh, and he was an um, officer in his fraternity, and he was just saying, if, if I, I'm not just going to, I'm just not going to halfway do it. If I, if I follow Christ, I know what that means. That hurt. I, I know what my friends and my fraternity would think of me if I'm not going out with them every night. If I'm not playing the next party, if I'm not putting that on, if I'm not rallying with them around how, what, what girls that we're talking about. It was tough to think about what moving forward uh, toward Christ would look like. Uh, the fear of what, what could happen. Uh, another girl just talking about if she became a Christian, if she really like embraced this and saw God work her, she's like, I would lose all my friends. She's like, I need you to help me meet people already that are Christians so that, so that if God converts me, I'm not alone. That I have people that I can know, uh, that I could talk to, that would, that would care about me. Um, it's part of, the, part of the, the, the fear, part of the things that we worry about uh, for how God might work in us, for how God might use us, uh, for what things we're, we're involved in. And when God calls Ananias in this vision, Ananias, he responds, here I am. Right? It's kind of a prophetic response. He, God wants you to do something. Here I am. What's he called me to do? <laughs> when, when Jesus says to him, there's this guy named Saul, and I want you to go find him because he's had a vision that you're going to come and, and lay hands on him. He's like, nah. Jesus, I, I don't want to say that you don't know what you're talking about, but, but I've heard about this guy. I know why he's here. Um, I don't want to insult you that you don't know why he's here, but I know that he's here to, to hand people over uh, to bind us and, 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 uh, and work against uh, your church. You hear Ananias' fear, uh, his worry of Jesus involving him in this plan. How's this going to work out for him? Uh, and the Lord tells him, go. Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine. I'm going to use him to, to take the gospel to the Gentile, to speak before our kings, and even to the, as well as to the children of Israel. Um, and Ananias goes, and he lays his hand on him. He receives sight. He's baptized. He receives the spirit. He's strengthened. And Paul goes out. And I would have loved to have been Ananias. Right? That you're like... 
Uh, I mean, he didn't, didn't travel to all these places. He didn't write the recordings of how the gospel goes around, all these things. But in everything that, that Paul does as part of expanding the work of Christ in the church, and then I was just like, Jesus spoke to me and told me to go to that guy. I got to lay my hands on this guy for him to be baptized, for the spirit to fill him. And now look at all that God's done through that. Oh, isn't that cool to be? To be Ananias, to see how God involved Ananias in his plan. Um, and, and that's what Jesus is doing. Sometimes it looks like what he did with Paul. Sometimes it looks like what he did with Ananias. Sometimes it looks at all different places in between or maybe smaller than that uh, as we can look at it. Uh, but Jesus involves his people in his plan, in his work of what he is doing. In ways beyond our expectations, he's able to work through you just Kind of, yeah, acknowledging to your roommate that the Bible really does matter to you. Or not being the annoying person in class who just makes trouble. But, 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 but at times, like, just, yeah, being the one who's maybe looked at a little bit oddly or ostracized because you do have a different opinion. And that was okay in the class to express it. It just feels weird. Or talking to someone about how the gospel matters to you or pointing them uh, to Jesus. How uh, Jesus involves us in his plan. There, there are a lot of things to be afraid of. There are real uh, consequences. Uh, but there's nothing more powerful than Jesus. And we tend to only try what our strength might accomplish. Um, and our expectations are far too low. As Jesus works far beyond our expectation even as he involves us in his plan. So what are, your, what are your expectations? Your expectations for campus, college students, for your neighbors, for your friends, for your family, for your conversations with them, for your class, for the people you know, that you don't know, for places around the world. Uh, what are your expectations for what Jesus is doing in you? Things that you're excited about. Things that you wish were not the case. Things that you're struggling with and trying to Figure out how to respond. Do you expect that Jesus can relate to your pain? Or are you overwhelmed as if he's, uh, um, uh, that, that, is, that you've experienced it more than he could ever understand? Um, Jesus, Jesus has experienced that pain uh, more, than, more than we will know it. Um, more than, more than, like if you're kicking your foot, here's him going, him feeling the pain of it. He knows where you're at and he'll care for you like the part of the body that you are. Our expectations sometimes that Jesus can't handle the difficulties uh, that we're in. Listen, I don't want to belittle what you're experiencing. It may, it may be extreme for some of you that really are big things that are hurting. But Jesus also turned a man who is breathing threats and murder against him into his missionary. He, he's doing things. He's taking care. He's working his glory in your life as well. Or do you expect that Jesus could ask uh, too much from you? Or can we get excited about being an instrument in his mind-boggling plan of how the gospel continues to go out? Not to trust in our own expectations uh, or just our own plans or rely on our own abilities. But part of what Acts is showing us is it's showing us what's unexpected. It's training us in a new set of expectations. Uh, about the new kingdom, uh, the new creation of Christ reigning and what we should expect for Jesus to do now from that point in Acts all the way through until Christ returns. This is what Jesus is doing. He's working. He's reigning. He's letting our faith rest in him. 
that we can be uh, confident uh, to call out to him who can do uh, far more abundantly than all that we would ask or imagine.